You know, I love the Good Friday service. In a moment, the lights will, will be going down. It'll become dark. It's a, a quiet service. It's a somber service. And it reminds us of the agony of Jesus as he died for us. And then, of course, Easter is just bright. And Easter is just breaking loose with joy. You've got to come back on Sunday morning. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. And I was just thinking uh, as I was sitting there on the front row about how, how wonderful it is to believe in a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you know if there was not a Trinity, then we would really not know God? He would just kind of be up there. But we know the love of God because of the Son. God actually came to us and loved us. We know the love of God through the Son because God actually sent the Spirit to give us connection with the Father through the Son, and He lives within us. And so God, this great God, is so loving because He is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. I'd like to look at just one verse of the text that Pastor Brunson read. It is that famous verse in Mark 15, verse 34. And at the ninth hour, at three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elay. Eli, Eli, lama shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I have uh, noticed, and I'm sure you probably have, uh, some, some new commercials on television. I uh, don't get to watch that much TV, but I have enjoyed, especially during the March Madness and that type of thing. Uh, these are the, uh, I don't know what kind of beverage it is. It's beer commercial. don't know the, the brand, but uh, basically there's three of these that I've seen, and they're, they're pretty funny, where uh, in each commercial there's a couple, and, uh, and, and different things are happening in the commercials. You know, at one, the, the guy is sitting there, alpha male guy, and he's just going on, about, on and on about how he loves his beer, his beverage. I love this, and I love that, and I love the other. And, you know, they're at dinner together, supposed to be a romantic dinner, and she looks wistfully in his eyes and says, well, well do you love me? And he turns to her and he says, I l-, and he can't do it. I l-, and he can't do it. I mean, ha, ha, ha. You know, he loves his beer, but not her. Then there's a, I won't give you all three, but there's the other one where they're sitting on the grass and he's going on about, oh, I just love this aluminum pipe bottle or can or whatever that is that, that uh, my beverage comes in. Oh, I just love the way it does this and I love that. And she looks at him, different couple, and whistly says, well, what do you love about me? And he looks into her eyes and he is just absolutely befuddled. And he says, I love, I love that we go out. And then he kind of points at her hair and says, I love this little thing you're doing with your hair. I love your teeth. You know, and we're all laughing. Everybody but her. The whole world is laughing but her. Because you see, the point of the commercial is up until that moment, she thought he loved her. She's shocked that he doesn't. How can we know that we are loved? That's a great question to ask and to know the answer to in this world. Who loves you? Well, I tell you, you can know, you can tell that someone loves you 
when they sacrifice for you. No sacrifice, no inconvenience, no giving, no coming out of themselves. It's not love. That's how you know when somebody loves you. It is when they, they sacrifice for you. And, and I, on this Good Friday, I can boldly proclaim with, with every other sinner in this sanctuary who, who sees it about the cross, I can boldly proclaim Jesus loves me. He loves me because he took my curse. He sacrificed his life for me. He gave everything for me. Does Jesus love me? If the litmus test is sacrifice, this is the greatest love, greater than anything I could ever imagine. Jesus loves me, this I know. And the sentence that just says, I love you, as much as any sentence that Jesus cried out on the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in this sentence, there are two devastating things that Jesus says about who he is and the costliness of his love. When Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is saying first, I am the Messiah. And secondly, he's saying, I am alone. I am the Messiah. I am alone. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What he was saying was, what he was doing was quoting an Old Testament text. Did you know that? This is, he, this is a direct quotation. It wasn't like Jesus, right there on the spot, made up the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22, 1. In fact, if you look at Psalm 22, if you've got a Bible, you'll see. And, and why is Jesus quoting Psalm 22, 1? Well, what he's doing is, is Jesus is dying on the cross and he's taking all those who are, are observing and listening and taking this thing, he's taking them to Psalm 22, to the first verse, and by crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's what he's saying. I am that Messiah. I am the Messiah, not just of the first verse of Psalm 22. I am the Messiah of all of Psalm 22. And I'm going to read just a, a little bit of Psalm 22. You're going to be just dumbstruck if, if you've never made this correlation as you hear what Jesus is referring to as he's saying, I'm that Messiah. And this is really, really hard to be the Psalm 22 actual Messiah. Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words I'm groaning? And I'm just going to go down to, Psalm, to uh, verse 14 of Psalm 22. Listen to these words. And there's even more than this, but just for brevity's sake, I'm going to read four verses. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. This is Psalm 22, a Psalm of David predicting the Messiah. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength has dried up like a potsherd, a cracked piece of pottery, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Remember the wine vinegar? I thirst, Jesus said. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. 
I can count all my bones. People stare at me. People gloat over me. If you're the Messiah, they divide my garments and cast lots for my clothing. Psalm 22, verses 14 through 18. Sound familiar? This is what's so devastating. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am the Messiah of Psalm 22. Look at me. See in living color the gory, agonizing, horrific details of the predicted Messiah happening before your eyes at this very moment. See the love of God played out in deliverance, in rescue, Messiahship. But Jesus wasn't just saying, I'm the Messiah. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As, as, as rough as that was. He's also screaming. I am, I just did it again. I am all alone. I'm all alone. Listen to this. My God, my God, why have you, here's the word, forsaken me? Forsaken me. The Hebrew word forsaken literally means this. Why have you abandoned me? I'm alone. You have abandoned me. You know what's interesting? Uh, If you read the Gospels, and you hear Jesus addressing God the Father. Do you know what he usually calls God the Father? It's a very dear. He calls him Father. Father, I've come to do this. Father, and he prays. Father, because in calling God Father, and the word Abba, A-B-B-A, meaning tender Father, he's pointing up the, the close relationship of God the Father and God the Son, the, 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 not only the compatibility, these, these, ho- the, the, these holy beings in perfect Trinitarian love, also with the Spirit, but he, he's pointing this out. Notice when he quotes Psalm 22, he doesn't say, My Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? What does he say? He moves from Father in describing God the Father to my God my God. And so God is going to leave him alone with all of our sin on him. And holy God, this is the point, holy God is now going to punish Jesus alone with our sin. I am alone. God is punishing me and there's nobody here. And I am all alone Jesus actually fulfilled two images of the aloneness in the punishment that he received on our our behalf. Two Old Testament images that that show that he, he took our sins upon himself and faced the wrath of God alone on our behalf. That's the meaning of the cross. He took... Our sins upon himself. I mean, just, if you want to, that's, I thought of it. That's a pretty good sentence for the gospel right there, you know? He took our sins upon himself and faced the wrath of God, took the wrath of God alone on our behalf. The, the first image is, is what we said as we called one another to worship earlier tonight. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Come, let us keep the festival or the feast. 
Uh, The first is Christ, our Passover lamb. You know, on the Day of Atonement, Jesus came down into Jerusalem on the first day, the week week of Passover on Sunday, and, and everything is building to what's called the Day of Atonement, and everything is building on the Day of Atonement to the ninth hour, which is three o'clock, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed by, for the, by the high priest for the sins of the nation. Well, let me, understand, let, me, let me help you understand about this Passover lamb, this lamb, this perfect lamb without spot or blemish, as Jesus is called the perfect lamb of God, without spot or blemish, this lamb would be taken, would be selected. The priest would ask God, he would lay his hands on the head of the, the lamb, and he, an innocent lamb, perfect lamb, and he would, he would ask God to transfer the sins of, the, of Israel onto this innocent lamb, where this innocent lamb would then carry the guilt, the, the, the sinfulness and the guilt for the sins of of Israel, and the, the innocent lamb then would atone. But the, the, every, people's personal sins were, were given to this one animal at that particular time on the Day of Atonement. I mean, this happened all the time in the temple. And then the, the priest would actually take the lamb's head, cock the lamb's face up, look the lamb in the eyes, and slay the Passover lamb. And... Um, and, and the sins of the people would be covered over by the blood of the Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He is the spotless lamb. And, and, and what is happening, you know, when you read Matthew's gospel, at the ninth hour, he cries out, it is finished. The punishment, and it's right at three o'clock. In other words, right when the Passover lamb is sacrificed in Jerusalem, to, as the culmination of the Day of Atonement, that is the exact moment that Jesus cried out, it is finished. But in our text, he cries something else out at the ninth hour. And you can, you can peek ahead. Let me read to you a little bit from Isaiah about how Jesus is our Passover lamb and the, our sins are transferred onto him and how he alone takes the punishment for our sins. Isaiah 3, and it's just three verses, four through six, surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by God, afflicted by God. Listen to these words. He was pierced for our transgressions. Do you see? He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with God was upon him. And by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Think Passover lamb for a moment. But the Lord has transferred onto him the iniquity of us all. And the punishment onto him where Jesus cried out in the ninth hour, it is finished. And his spirit, and into the Father's hands, he committed his spirit. But there's another Old Testament image here about the aloneness of Jesus. The real Psalm 22, Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I am alone as I do this. 
And it is the image of what is called the scapegoat. We use this terminology all the time. Oh, so-and-so is just a scapegoat. What do we mean by that? A scapegoat is somebody you set up to take the blame for, some, uh, for other people. Does the scapegoat, I mean, like in our common language, the scapegoat, does he deserve the blame or she deserves No, no, she's used to funnel all the blame onto that one person so that the, that, that person who is scapegoated, it's like a verb, right? That person who's scapegoated will be punished rather than all the people who should be punished. Something happens in Washington, something doesn't go right, and so we got to look for one person's job, and we got to say it was that guy's fault or that lady's fault, and we're going to execute them. We're going to fire them, and now you're going to feel better about all of us who should take personal responsibility. But we don't have to because we have transferred our guilt onto the guy we fired, the scapegoat. Jesus is our scapegoat. And that gets at the heart of, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? Why have you abandoned me? In the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, we, we learn in, in three verses about this scapegoat. And this is after the Day of Atonement. Uh, like I said, the, this, this transfer of sin, this had to happen all the time until Jesus once and for all did it for us. But in Leviticus 16.21, it says the high priest is to lay both of his hands, I'm reading from the scriptures, lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over the live goat all the wickedness and the rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sins, and, and put their sins on the head, on the goat's head. Okay, so there again, just like the Passover lamb, there's the transfer of sin to the innocent animal and onto the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert and the care of the man appointed for the task. In other words, there's going to be a priest that's going to go out to a certain place. And there's, I won't go into it, but in the original language, there's some question as to a word there, whether it's a place or a person. But basically, it's got to be a place where that goat can't survive and the goat is going to die all alone. That's the point. There's no water for the goat. There's no food. They're going to take the goat so far out. There's no water or food. The goat must die alone with our sins, with the, with the sins of the Israelites. And let me just finish this passage. The goat will carry on itself. This is in case you're in Leviticus 16 with me. Verse 22. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man will release it into the desert. The goat will be forsaken left alone, abandoned, and bear the sins of the people alone. He will die in the wilderness alone. Jesus was left by himself to suffer. My God, my God, used to be Ava, tender father. And now as the transfer of sin is upon him, holy God, Holy God, I'm all alone. I'm forsaken. I'm abandoned. And it hurts so bad. To be the Psalm 22 Messiah is excruciating.
It's hideously lonely. And Jesus heaves in agony on the cross as our scapegoat, forsaken, all alone. I am the Messiah. I am alone. Notice in our text, verse 34, if you go back to the text, what it says is this. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. You want to hear Jesus say, I love you? In a way that conveys what love really is? You look at verse 34 of this passage. Here is the sentence. Here is I love you in Aramaic. Eli, Eli, lama shabbatani. My God, my God, why have you left me alone? Why have you forsaken me? And it translates into this sentence in English. To any who have seen it and hear it, can have ears to hear it. It translates into this sentence. I love you. And you will never have to face God alone. Because I did. You see, you need to know that this agony that we witness on the cross, that's yours without Jesus. Not necessarily on a cross, but just as agonizing as a holy God punishes you alone for the sins that you alone have committed. You also would be abandoned by God and punished by God. How do you know when somebody loves you? It's when they sacrifice for you. No giving no sacrifice, no love. And tonight as we move to this table, isn't it beautiful that ultimate sacrifice shows ultimate love and leads to ultimate grace and ultimate joy. Christ is our Psalm 22 Messiah. He is. I am the Messiah, the suffering servant. Christ is our Passover lamb, taking our sins upon himself and being sacrificed for us. And Christ is our scapegoat, bearing it all alone. Let's pray. Lord, a part of me just wants to weep, but I don't have time to sit and weep. Because you were forsaken for me. You were abandoned because of me. You were rejected by your father who turned away, as Habakkuk 3.1 says, because he cannot abide the presence of sin. And you took our punishment. Thank you for those words. 
that we hear echo down the, the centuries and now millennia. Eli, Eli, Lama, Shabbat Thani. In Jesus' name, amen.